Ah, oh, we really need to find a better way to talk than bloody Google Hangouts. Five minutes trying to dial each other, and it won't let us pick up. Come on, we can do this. It's been seven weeks, but we can do this. It's shit, isn't it, Hangouts? It is. Yeah, if you're listening really to this awful. Google... Wankers. Twats. Twankers, yeah. Twat wankers. Yeah. Widow twanky. Yeah. The twat wanking widow. Ooh. There's a nursery rhyme. <laughs> the, 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 tw- <laughs> the twat wanking widow. <laughs> so there were lesbians all the way back then. <laughs> there certainly Back in the era of the pantomime. There were indeed, yes. It's good to be back. I hope you're recording this. <laughs> Uh, yes, I am. And I'm also recording it on the on the blue snowball. Yeah, I think I've got everything right. It's been such a long time. I forgot what we do. It has. It's been six bloody weeks. What have you six been? What weeks. have you done with your life in six weeks? Not, not probably not anything near as exciting as you. What have you been up to? It's not. It's not that exciting. I'll be honest. No. I made something that sleeps and poos. You're quite good at that as well. I am. She takes. Are... She takes after me. They're your two KP- KPIs. <laughs> <laughs> You can't have a KPI for something you've mastered, Tom. <laughs> 100% every day. There's nothing to aim for. You'll find that as uh, as your daughter gets older, they become two of the most wonderful things in your day, sleeping and shitting. Uh, I'm assuming, you mean, I was about I'm assuming to say, you mean me sleeping and shitting rather than her sleeping and shitting. Well, I was about to say, because they're two of the times of the day where you actually get a bit of privacy and some quiet, but actually, at the stage <laughs> you're at, you don't get any privacy during your sleep, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, and due to the severe lack of furniture in our house, uh, her changing room is in fact in the toilet. So I don't necessarily get oh. any, you know, we sleep together, we shit together. You're d- <laughs> it's a family affair. You've, you've got no furniture in your house. We have some furniture in the house, none of which is conducive to changing a small child on. I have audience had my first child. She's, she's five weeks old. Right. She's lovely and terrible at history. We've had repeated words about her use of uh, limited numbers of secondary sources of dubious provenance. Absolutely disgraceful. As Absolutely. I bet she hasn't even read Plutarch yet. <laughs> well, it's the one way to get her to sleep, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's, um, that's Vitruvius. If you want to get someone to sleep... Vitruvius is the way to go. Uh, that's if, if you remember, I did that one week and was incredibly disappointed. Yes. And uh, here's a piece of machinery. There is a bolt two cubits from another hole, and above the hole, a three cubits wide is another hole, and then you attach a beam. That's Vitruvius. Yes, and I'm so glad we revisited that. <laughs> Fucking dull. Hint, audience, if you're thinking of starting a history podcast, try reading your sources before reciting them verbatim. <laughs> In a one and a half hour recording session. <laughs> Don't start your research too late. <laughs> no. As I did that week. I thought, Vitruvius, that should be good. An hour before the recording, start looking into it. Nah, it's not. But I've got nowhere else to go. Um, so so you not- forced it through. <laughs> <laughs> I just f- carried on. Don't you just change on the floor? Uh, yeah, oh, the bathroom floor, yes. But if I the bathroom floor, you don't- no. Well, we, we what's wrong with the kitchen floor or the, the you know living room floor? We started. And a, and a floor that had a carpet on it, and uh, and that didn't yeah. and that all didn't you, end well. <laughs> all your jeans got ripped, or just shit everywhere. Uh, she can do both. <laughs> yeah, when you least expect it, the second wave, <laughs> the, the, the second spike. Yeah. The punami yeah. thrives on the shores. <laughs> <laughs> Laps gently on the shores of cream carpet land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get to high land. <laughs> climb up onto the bookcase. Oh, that won't help you. She's got quite the arc on her. <laughs> Has she? A good lob. Yeah, indeed. 
Um, that's a poo or is that a wee? Oh, you, good again, you... both. <laughs> really quite impressive. Fire in the hole. Splat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is it a whole new world, Sam? Is it a whole new world for you? This whole childhood thing? It's a fantastic point of view. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I imagine you looking lovingly into her eyes as she first arrived on Earth. <laughs> I can show you my trains. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-beaching vintage railway. <laughs> Good knowledge of the beaching Together cuts. Together we could skip leg day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, hello. Watching, watching the flying Scotsman go by. <laughs> the funny thing is, she's already got bigger calves than I do. <laughs> Five weeks old. Beautiful rolls. Anyway. Cracking. Yes. Cracking. No, I'm not editing any of that out. That was joyous. I'm going to stick a sting at the beginning of it and we'll call that the cold intro of the podcast. Five minutes of fun, but fuck it, we've been away six weeks, audience. You deserve it. I know. And uh, God, I didn't even... I've just realised I haven't actually gone through audience feedback. No, well, we I had haven't some, even touched it. We had some congratulatory messages, which was nice. and that I, Thank you? Oh, no, they were for you, weren't they? No. <laughs> I think I wasn't involved for the record. I'll give you a congratulatory message. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with me. Okay. Put it out she there. She was born with an enormous chin. <laughs> she, does look a little, she does look a little bit like Jimmy Hill. <laughs> the gynecologist was like, we're never going to get out. No. His nose is too big. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Jesus, what is that? Congratulations. It's a Sportacus. Barry! <laughs> On the plus side, once you got a nose out, the head came out oh, really well, easily because it was receding. <laughs> Receding hairline, very polished. Yeah, yeah, the forehead came out about three seconds before. (laughs) Anyway, my wife doesn't listen to this podcast anymore, so she'll be thrilled not to hear that. (laughs) I love my daughter dearly, but she does look a little bit like Ian Hislop. (laughs) She's angry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? They do, don't they? Yes. What have you been up to? Uh, Same old, same old. Blackberries, apples... Got giant pumpkins in the garden. Oh, they're quite creepy, bit sinister. Great. Every time you look out the window, it's got a little bit closer. Squirrels. <laughs> We've got squirrels, squirrels pushing the pumpkins closer and closer to the house. <laughs> in a game of grandma's footsteps to see how close they can get before you notice their evil plan. Yeah, they have an evil plan, and their evil I know plan they is do. to steal all of our walnuts. <laughs> We've got a big walnut tree. Get off my nuts! They, get off! Exactly. I've been out there. I've been out there in my pajamas, waving my stick waggling it furiously telling my squirrels to get off my nuts and they just won't every time you look out the window we've got three squirrels going up our tree <laughs> stealing our walnuts it's unreal i saw one the other day our two boys have got little little mini plastic wheelbarrows i saw one of the squirrels holding a wheelbarrow he had about six in there <laughs> just running on his back legs across the lawn that little scamp excellent really? yeah not much not much different i can't really i don't think anything exciting has happened really fair enough poor effort but fair enough on the plus side, with this six-week um, interregnum we've had, um, Ooh, I nice. have never been so prepared for a recording. Yes, because... <laughs> I did this seven weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't read it since. <laughs> yes. Should we do some history? We're ten minutes into the recording, and I'm fairly determined that I'm not going to edit any of that out, because I think it's sweet, and I think the old okay. audience will like it, and I think the new audience, well, you haven't... Earned our loyalty yet? Then we, I know we, we we wavered briefly into audience feedback, didn't we? And oh yeah, we, we did. No, we, 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 we just got some congratulatory yeah. messages for me. 
Okay, what about that Australian guy? We had some good messages oh, from no, him, we didn't did. we? Oh, no, we did. Where were they? Was that on Facebook? It was a nice... Sh- I think we should say thank you. It was quite a few weeks ago that he was talking to yes, us. Yes, it was. Where was he talking to us? Had some good us? suggestions. Hang on. I think it was Facebook, yeah. Was it? He's a trucker who likes trucking. Yeah, he commutes like six hours day a day. and night. Yeah. Oh, and he drew some doodles. They're excellent. Yes, he did, yes. Have some sex toys. Nathan. Oh, we'll have to put those on Facebook. Hello, Nathan. Thank you for sending us pictures of sex toys. Yes, I mean, he must be, you must be really bored in the Canadian wilderness. Um, and he suggested, uh, he suggested extravagant feasts, famous animals, and believed events that never actually happened. I mean, we've covered a few nice. of those in this podcast. <laughs> That's just pure hearsay. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that, Nathan, and your pictures, of, your your beautiful cartoon images of, of butt plugs and, and rabbits, rampant rabbits, which are actually in a similar style to... To what Tom's done. That's also a very Canadian-looking butt plug. He's got... <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It looks like your Canadian neighbour. He looks like the astronaut. What's his name? Uh, Chris Hadfield. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it does, yeah. it? He's the sort of na- he's your Canadian neighbour that always keeps the lawn tidy, isn't he? <laughs> I hope he's not doing. I hope he's not drawing those while he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long straight road. Yeah. Oh dear. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Let's record. Yes. Record. Let's, thank, uh, thanks let's also for your messages. Uh, Martin Watts has emailed us a couple of times to say he's enjoying all of the episodes and he's he's going through them all and has left us some some notes on each one. There was a Canadian war bear actually called Winnie. Yeah, that's right. I thought he was talking about Pooh. It was the inspiration for Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, there you go. Lovely. There you go. Hello and welcome. That's ten minutes into the podcast. Two. That was genius. Uh, the little history podcast in which Tom, who's over there in Cambridge, hello, and Sam, who's over here in Manchester discuss history stories on a theme. It's usually every week, but we've had a bit of a hiatus for reasons already explained. We won't go back into that. Hello to all of our new listeners. This is your first original new episode, and it's all about... Coming fresh. It is about the Navy. In the Navy. You can sail the seven seas. In the Navy. You can eat some mushy peas. In the Navy. You and the seamen will be knocking knees. In the Navy. The Navy. (laughs) In the Navy. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's it's the Navy, or boats, or stuff that happens at sea, yeah. that sort of thing. It is. I like this, Sam, and I've actually got a shipwreck. Hooray! Hooray! That's a classic. One of that's, Tom's favourite topics. That's what we do. <laughs> Although that was a little bit of a, a spoiler. Uh, but anyway, yes, shipwrecks. Excellent. I'm delighted with this. A beautiful shipwreck for this car crash of a podcast. Did you do Did you do um, your, your preparation seven weeks ago? Or No, no, I didn't. Well, I had an idea seven weeks ago, and I found a much better one. Oh, good. Yes. Excellent. I was going to do. Uh, well, I was going to do Nero's pimp ships, originally. Nero's pimp ships. Yeah, Good the soup. <laughs> right. Nero and the pimp ships. Yeah. I think. I think that was the original name of the shadows. <laughs> yeah. Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard as either the pimp or Nero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what the two ships are called now because I threw away my research. I cast it asunder like so much flotsam and jetsam. Uh, there's a good uh, there's a good shipwreck term for you. What's the difference? You know, do you know your flotsam from your jetsam? Ooh, maybe. I thought one was above water and one was below water, but they might be birds and fishes. I might mix them up. <laughs> <laughs> Science, bitches! Damn it, Tom. We're historians. Well, we're not historians. Flotsam and jetsam. Are flotsam or floatsam are those items which are floating? Jetsam are those items that have been jettisoned. By a ship's crew. Oh, there you go. For example, irritating shipmates. <laughs> yes. For example, captains. <laughs> For example, standards of what you will or will not shag. <laughs> right. Attractive-looking mermaids who turned out to, to be dolphins. <laughs> yes. Attractive-looking dolphins who turned out to be mermen. 
Anyway, uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> given that you planned your research seven weeks ago, Tom, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, jolly good. Okay, right. Uh, so, as I've mentioned prior to our little break... No, I haven't mentioned that yet. Prior to our little break, <laughs> I had chosen many medieval English topics, and so I wanted to branch out into something more varied seven weeks ago. <laughs> but I'm still talking about British history, but it's going to be far less provincial than some of my previous contributions. Good. I also promised to do something not British next week. Okay. Honor. Okay. Well, I'm not doing British, so we're good. Okay. We're bad. That's We've good. hit our diversity this... quota for the week. <laughs> Excellent. This story is reasonably well known, but it is a good one. I could easily tell it as a ha ha, weren't they idiots? Point and laugh sort of a way. I really hope you do. Which I, which I will do a bit. <laughs> yeah, I will. Is, as, as is in the <laughs> the image of this podcast, the rather funny history yeah. podcast. Let's not do it as a tragic story of uh, of loss and hope abandoned. No, I have done that once in an episode before. Um, <laughs> I've I've done it several times listening to you doing it in an episode before. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've, nice. I've built up my sass just, over the last... <laughs> <laughs> I make one little joke about you liking trains, and this is what I get. <laughs> right. So I, I will do a little bit of point and laugh, but with a nod to the fact that, um, as always, the reality is more complex than just one colossal act of stupidity. <laughs> Let me introduce you to the HMS Victoria, not to be mixed up with the HMS Victoria, the HMS Victoria, or the earlier HMS Victoria. No. You see... It was one of four naval ships to be named after Victoria Beckham. Yes. Often seen sailing alongside HMS Dave. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was an also a much lesser known ship, who very few people know about, which was the HMS Victoria Secret. I thought you were going to say the HMS Miami Football Club. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The career ending. The final ship. Yeah. The final ship in the oh line. Oh my god. <laughs> Beckham has curled in a golf mall of twenty yards downtown Miami. That's a That's gotta be a three pointer. <laughs> I'm gonna need a timeout. We love soccer. Yes. It's a game of two halves, or now five quarters. <laughs> Aren't home run goals great? <laughs> uh, it's also not to be confused, Tom, with the uh, incredibly absorbent ship, the HMS Victoria Sponge. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't <laughs> I it? I would sail upon the HMS Victoria Sponge. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be lovely. Well, yes. Very buoyant. It should be buoyant. Oh, no, it would well, have a very soggy bottom. Yes, Mary Berry wouldn't be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on the subject of funny names yes. for ships, here are some other amusing Royal Navy ships. Oh, there from are some quite era. good ones, actually. Yes. This is this era alone. HMS Rodney. Yes. <laughs> Marlene. Uh, HMS. <laughs> I thought you said you wouldn't go provincial before throw, <laughs> throwing in a joke to an 80s British sitcom. <laughs> HMS. <laughs> Knocking it out of the park. <laughs> HMS Calypso. I quite like that yeah. one. Dale. Dale. Daylight come me want my ration of rum. <laughs> um, HMS Inflexible. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, I've never been able to touch me hole. And my mask is so stiff. Um, nice. HMS Shannon. <laughs> oh, I'll leave it out. Oi, HMS Hercules. It's not worth you. it. <laughs> Hold me back, Shazza. That's uh, so HMS Hercules, as a dead run. And uh, HMS Inconstant. Yes. Bit stop starty, that one. That shit. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know whether it was turning left or right. Port starboard. <laughs> <laughs> the HMS Victoria that we're going to discuss was built in 1887, a time of rapid innovation in naval ship and tactics. Only 82 years earlier, the Battle of Trafalgar had ushered in a period where the Britannia ruled the waves. 
controversial topic. Bear in mind we had the problems last night. Yes. <laughs> Funny Royal Na- Naval ship name, by the way, Dainty. Was there a Dainty? Was there, was there? an HMS, HMS Dainty. Dainty? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yes, the HMS Beaver. That's a <laughs> HMS Beaver. <laughs> Pair of spread legs. That's <laughs> <laughs> also brilliant. Oh dear. The beaver's <laughs> coming into port. No, does that work? What else? Did, come on, what else have you got? Um, well, not, not a funny name in and of itself, but there was a, a ship in uh, World War Two, which was the only known Royal Naval vessel to include sinking a German and Italian and uh, Japanese submarines. And it's called the with HMS... With the same shot? With one shot, yes. <laughs> like Robin Hood? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it's called the HMS Petard, which in and of itself isn't funny, but Petard apparently means fart in French, <laughs> That's it. Yeah, so there you go. That's because a petard was a, a, a was medieval... It was an early bomb. Yeah, yeah, or the name of the person who set it off. Designed to blow the bloody doors off castles. Hence yeah. being, hence the phrase, hoisted by your own petard. Indeed. Yeah. Where was I going? The Nelson's flagship, yes, Battle of Trafalgar was HMS Victory, yes. not Victoria. That was um, the Battle of Trafalgar. And that can be seen in Portsmouth. Very good. It was an ironclad display. Uh, Victoria, HMS Victoria, which meant, unsurprisingly, it was clad in iron or steel, and it had huge steam engines, whopping great guns, and it could sail at great speed. And I Up chose to six miles an hour. <laughs> I probably had good top speed, just dreadful acceleration. Yeah. Being how heavy it was, I, I chose not to go into too much detail about all the specs for these ships because it is uber super nerdy. Oh yeah, exceptionally boring to normal people. Suffice to say, this boat or these boats, these ironclads, were the naval equivalent of a polar bear. They were a bull elephant, an alpha <laughs> alligator, a stacked squirrel, a buff bison, a voluptuous vole. It had a sister ship <laughs> nice. as well. There were only two of the kind. And together, they were known by the terrorising nickname. Now, prepare yourself for this. Don't. Nickname so horrendous, it was suitable for a 80s wrestling tag team duo. They were the Slippers. Ooh... Strike fear into the heart of your uh, your enemies Absolutely. when the slippers start sailing towards you. Yes. Well, I, I mean, obviously, with the with all the chimneys going as well from the steam engines, they'd be the pipe and slippers. <laughs> Very nice. And that was the HMS Camperdown, by the way, the sister ship, which <laughs> had been completed two nice. years earlier. Yeah, not not no, not the HMS Trousers Down, the HMS <laughs> Camperdown. <laughs> Two years earlier, the HMS Victoria, and it too was cutting edge for the era. And now let's digress as to why it was called the Trousers Down, not the, ca- the Camper Down. Um, because this is quite interesting. Camperdoon is a small coastal village on the Dutch coastline. In 1797, oh. the British North Sea Fleet, during the French Revolutionary Wars, gave the Dutch Navy, the Dutch Republic at this time being a client state of the smelly Frenchies, a but right royal spanking. Yes. Yeah, uh, a battle of Camperdown. Posh English accent, bend over the lap. A Britannia and have your body lash raw with a wooden spoon of King George III. Oh, suits you, sir. And the British fleet lost no ships and captured 11 Dutch ships. Oh. There you go. But that's that's why it's called the HMS Camperdown. So what were HMS Victoria and HMS Camperdown doing together in the Mediterranean in 1893 that is so fascinating and amusing to us today? Fucking. Well... <laughs> No. And if you've never seen two ships fucking, Tom, you are in for a... It's, it, the physics boggles the mind. You well, think HMS H- Beaver. You think HMS Inflexible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. HMS Inflexible and HMS Beaver getting it on. Yes. One gets his HMS Rodney out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, disgusting. Yes, well, it's jolly good you asked that question prior to the 
rude innuendo. But before I explain what they were doing, um, I would like to introduce you to the most important character in our story, Vice Admiral... I like this. This is a digression within a digression within a digression. Yeah, it is digressional. Um, Vice Admiral Sir George Tryon. He was the daughter of a Trollope, and Trollope, for that matter. He was a prestigious talent in the Navy, as you'd expect from someone who attained the level of Vice Admiral. As has been mentioned, this was a time when the British Empire was huge, and Britannia had a reputation as the preeminent sea power, so it's quite a time to be in the Navy. Amongst other things, Tryon saw action in the Crimean War, uh, patrolled the waters around Australia, and fascinatingly, when reading up on this chap, I came across something called the Royal Navy Manoeuvres that Tryon took part in. Have you heard about these? I mean, I, I know that navies do manoeuvres. These are fantastic. They, they were giant parallel parking, reversing games. around a corner, <laughs> <laughs> three-point turns. They were giant role-playing games, usually involving two full fleets of ships, real sh- real fleets, crews, ships, etc. And they took place around the British Isles. So the two teams would have different objectives, and the games would last for months with ships sailing everywhere, pretending to raid towns, sink merchant ships, and do other things that you'd find in a real war. And they were really, really popular with the British public, who would follow them in the papers. Mm. Brilliant fun. That giant war game. Like the nightly games of old. Yeah. that's a, Yeah, that could be another band name, the nightly games of old. Mm. In 1891, Tryon was appointed fleet commander of the Mediterranean fleet, Britain's most powerful fleet, and uh, we've just talked about preparations for war. Tryon was at this point in his career concerned that the practice of war was too different to real war. In particular, he believed that the Royal Navy system of flag combinations, and there were hundreds to communicate between boats, would become unworkable in a real battle when the adrenaline is flowing, gunpowder smoke is in the air, and there's. Which is, which is true. That that happened quite frequently. Yeah, it's so he may well have had good evidence for this. Yeah, like you say, and there was a fair chance that the part of the boat that you were in and your flag was in could be blown to smithereens. So just it was too complicated. Um, so Tryon wanted to encourage captains to use their initiative a bit more. So he simplified the <laughs> Make flag up your system. Own language. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want. Well, whatever you want the message to be, just write it in letters on one flag. Be you, <laughs> yeah. or just have a giant fridge freezer. On your deck and have lots of those fridge magnets. Yes, that would do. Like the that. ones that you can spell out words with rude words. Yeah, yeah. absolutely rude words. Or blow smoke rings. Yes, get Gandalf just to sit on on your poop deck. <laughs> <laughs> what else could they do? Just phone flags. They could use flags. Don't send an email. And <laughs> yeah. um, but he was a bit of a stickler for rules. I'll try on. So he had this new flag system that was simplified. That he was uh, he was trying to push. But he was also someone who had a lot of respect for authority, insisted on respect for authority, and liked his... his authority to be respected. Yeah, he liked the disciplined following of commands. He just believed that there were times when a captain should be willing to do things their own way to achieve the desired end goal. So, not, not, not blind obedience. So, what were HMS Victoria and HMS Camperdown doing together in the Mediterranean in 1893 that is all fascinating and amusing to us today? Uh, had they gotten lost doing war games and they'd completely they'd like one of them had instructed the other one to go to there and then the other one instructed the other one to go a bit further and they basically leapfrogged each other all the way from the Isle of Wight to the Mediterranean leapfrogged each other yeah I'd love to see a belt leapfrog someone um but no not quite <laughs> then not Tom quite. you want to watch the shark jumping episode of Happy Days <laughs> what the shark is there a shark jumping episode of Happy Days there's literally a phrase I think it's really an American phrase rather than a British one because Happy Days was right. bigger in America called jumping the shark which is when something uh. just gets uh, gets beyond the point of ridiculous you really jumped the shark with that one 
Right, well, that's fairly suitable with this recording at the moment. Yeah. In June 1892, I'm going to get onto it now, I promise. The majority of the Mediterranean fleet, so there are 11 ironclad warships, were exercising near Tripoli in Lebanon. Not bicep curls, shit like that. No, they were properly exercising. The squats. ships were arranged... <laughs> squats, squats. Try squatting in the Mediterranean. Crossfit. <laughs> <laughs> the ships were arranged in two columns, one led by Tryon in the HMS Victoria, the other led by Rear Admiral Markham in the HMS Trousers Down. Um... <laughs> The rear admiral had his, had his trousers down. The plan that everyone was aware of was to travel in these two columns before one by one in pairs turning 180 degrees inwards so that the whole column would be facing the opposite direction or that both columns would be facing the opposite direction. Or does it refer Basically to as columns? synchronised swimming. Synchronised boating. That's yes. absolutely right. Yep, yep. Usually this would require close to two kilometres distance between the ships to allow for the turning circles. But try on wanted it to take place with one kilometer between the ships. Mm. Oh. Can we see what can we see where this is going? Point. <laughs> this was half-heartedly questioned, but Tryon <laughs> insisted when the order to turn was given, more exactly, alter course and succession 16 points to port preserving the order of the fleet, it was followed. Right. Markham was confused by the order and delayed confirming that he understood it. Tryon sent him a semaphore message, so using his flag saying, "What are you waiting for?" The two ships rapidly began turning towards each other, with Markham half expecting a lake man to resolve the issue. And lo and behold, the two duels in the Royal Navy, the flagships of the most powerful fleet in the Royal Navy, and subsequently the world, smashed into each other. Even in the late, late moments when catastrophe could have been avoided, the captains of both ships awaited their commands from Triumph. Catastrophe. The ironclad ships of this era were actually designed to be capable of ramming other ships. This was a naval tactic dredged from the salty seas of the past on account of the fact that ironclad ships are so damn difficult to destroy with the artillery fire. So in this situation, it meant that the HMS trousers down gave Victoria damn good ramming. Square in the side. And the turning momentum of Camperdown removed the ship's ram from the side of Victoria, letting all the water in before watertight doors in the hull of the ship could be closed to isolate the leak. Initially, Tryon believed that the ships could still get to shore because the engine room was fully operational, and lifeboats were sent by other ships but were told to turn back. However, the sailors on board ship were having a torrid time controlling the spread of the leak, with men being locked behind closed doors and others being washed away, so the situation rapidly got out of control and the ship was abandoned. Imagine that, if you will, for a moment, being locked behind a door with the waters rising up. That would be the most terrifying thing that I think could happen to me at sea. It is pretty dreadful, isn't it? Because it happens in a lot of films and it just looks it just looks all, just the worst. The only thing worse would be if you're in that situation and old Greg popped up. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a downstairs mix-up. My watertight compartment's flooded. Like some Baileys? <laughs> like to put some Baileys out of a shoe? <laughs> I'm old Greg. I got a mangina. <laughs> <laughs> a rare little adventure there into noughties comedy. Yes. <laughs> Instead how of 80s English how comedy. How frightfully modern of us. Only 20 years old. Uh, that's the mighty boosh for anyone who didn't get the reference. Yeah. Anyway. The ship capsized 13 minutes after the collision and went down horribly front first. The spinning propellers at the back of the ship were a horrifying sight for the men treading water as the sea frothed and swelled with the buoyant parts of the ship shooting to the surface. Lifeboats falling from a great height into the sea and explosions from the engine room as funnels were drowned in (laughs) seawater. Explosions from the lifeboats. (laughs) That's a design (laughs) fault. (laughs) 
who put all the dynamite in the lifeboats? <laughs> we thought we might need it for <laughs> dynamite fishing. Shit, they're, <laughs> they're not even waterproof. <laughs> I made out of chocolate. Yeah, so the yeah, so the lifeboats were dropping from the sides of the ship. It just sounds horrendous. The nearby lifeboats couldn't enter this whole area for fear of capsizing. There was so much going on. And the men in the engine rooms did not even receive the commands to abandon ships. They must have died in an even worse manner. Um, well, for the engine rooms, it's even worse because as the water rises, it puts the fire out and the boiler explodes. So you get burnt to death by steam whilst being drowned. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound very nice. No. It sounds like a horrible way to go. No. HMS Camperdown narrowly avoided sinking herself and uh, the ships in the column performed comedic stops to prevent them ramming the ships in front. (laughs) (laughs) Trial went down with the ship, as did 358 men, so about half of the crew, and those who were saved owed it to another ship captain who ignored orders to withdraw the lifeboats. What a fuck-up. And so do you know what the moral of this story is, Sam? Don't listen to Mr. Tryon. Yes, I went for don't turn around rapidly with your pants down when your rear admiral was checking out Victoria because your ram might penetrate a fishy broadside and your jib might go everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Did you really write that joke seven weeks ago? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, this is the first time I've read it. I think that deserves to be be re-read. Do it slowly slowly for the audience. I got it for the first time, but I think the audience deserved to hear that in all its glory. Superb. uh, What sort of a voice would you like? Just you. Just me. Keep it pure. Don't turn around rapidly with your pants down when your rear admiral is checking out Victoria because your ram might penetrate her fishy broadside and your jib might go everywhere. <laughs> Beautiful. Your jib might go everywhere is the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes, okay. <laughs> Tasty. Yes. Um, and that was my three pages of notes. 1,699 words. Quite a comprehensive bit of research, that, Sam. Yes, absolutely. Well done, Tom. Thank you very much. I like that. Well, I say I like that very much. The needless loss of life due to uh, managerial fuck-up is, is never is never fun. <laughs> managerial <laughs> fuck-up. It's debated. It's still debated as to, uh, as to whether Tryon was deliberately testing... His ship captains. <laughs> Crash worthiness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it failed, Had he, yes. you know, if that were the case, or whether he was just going senile, because he was quite old at this point. But yeah, I mean, he went down with his ship. It's probably how he would have liked to go, Sam. Yeah, well, I'm sure he'd like to have gone in the bed of St Portsmouth prostitute. St Portsmouth wench. On, <laughs> on shore leave at the age of 99, but there we go. <laughs> Facing HMS Beaver. Yes, absolutely, yes. <laughs> I've suffocated on HMS Victoria and HMS Beaver. Hold on, I've lost my wedding ring. It dropped off my finger and I better get it quick. You were that excited talking about... <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got I've got two very brief stories for you, Tom, as, as honourable mentions, which I wasn't going to mention, but I will mention as honourable mentions. Go Because they're honourable and they're decent mentions. You only live once. In terms of, uh, of naval communication, firstly, Vietnam and the USS Buck. Or possibly, in fact... That's, that's such an American name for a ship, oh, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The HMS Klimt. <laughs> oh, <but, yeah. laughs> the HMS Wild I'm Flunking. sorry, what was, that, what was that ship called? <laughs> the HMS Klimt. <laughs> oh, good. That L and that I are very close together. <laughs> <laughs> that's anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, the USS Buck... Or possibly the USS Duncan and the USS Wisconsin. So it was in the... Uh, sorry, I said the Vietnam War. That was a complete lie. It was in the Korean War. 
and a North Korean artillery battery on the coast fired its cannons and hit the American battleship, the USS Wisconsin, causing very minor damage, knocked a hole in the deck or something, to which the Wisconsin responded by absolutely obliterating the entire coastline with all of its guns, to which either the USS Buck or the USS Duncan, two of its escorting destroyers, simply flashed across the message, Temper Temper. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds very much like American police arresting a black man, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. And another incident in World War Two. I need to try and remember what, what what this was, but there was basically a shore bombardment going on, and uh, and a particularly uh, spicy rear admiral who was commanding the uh, the <laughs> spicy bombardment. rear admiral. <laughs> one of the one of the ships, the HMS Malaya, had been paid. That was for. a magazine you could get. <laughs> the spicy admiral. <laughs> the spicy rear admiral. This <laughs> gets shared Ooh, amongst the. <laughs> Yeah, amongst the shipmates. The things you can do with a jalapeno. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but one of the sh- one of the ships in this shore bombardment had been paid for by uh, the Federated States of Malaya and was therefore named the HMS Malaya. And it had the flag painted on its funnel, so it looked a bit like a ferry. <laughs> and as it was right, bombarding yeah. the shore, the Admiral just sends across the message, you look like an angry P&O ship. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quite like. <laughs> when was that from? Sorry, that, that was, was World War Two. <laughs> World War II. Yeah, brilliant. P and O been going for that long. They Thanks really for. have. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not doing. What Britain does P and O stand for? Uh, I want to say Pacific and Orient Shipping. Hold on, uh, Peninsula and Oriental. Peninsula it's... Oriental Steam Navigation Company. There you go. Not Peter and Peter and Oliver. Peter and Owen. Peter and Owen's fennies. From Wales with pride. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now that works on two levels. I like that. (laughs) Anyway, right, Tom. I told you I was going to talk about a ship today. I'm going to talk about some ships today. I'm not doing England or Britain today. No, no, no. I'm going Scandi, Tom. Oh, excellent. Yes. Uh, And I'm, I'm, I'm going medieval. And I've decided to do one of the most ludicrous and stupid naval battles of the medieval period. It's a prime example this, of how you can bloody well forget how to ride a bike. Uh, because it shows that in less than a century, the marauding Vikings of Norway managed to become absolute marauding morons of the sea. Uh, it's known as the Battle of Fimrite, and it occurred in June 1184 near the village of the same name, along the Sjungford, the largest and deepest of the Norwegian fjords. God, 1184, that's, that's well old, isn't it? It is well old. It's pretty that's a, old. That's before 1185. Fuck. Mm. It is indeed. It's 802 years before I was born. Wow. Yeah. And Which must mean it's 801 before I was born. Fuck. Yeah, you old bastard. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, this is this is not long after the Viking period. I mean, you well, probably would still class it as a Viking period, wouldn't well, you? Well, that's kind of the point, Tom. 1184 is basically more or less on the dot a century after the Viking Age had ended. And right. for a bit of background, and that's kind of the background in a way to, to this story, because around 100 years beforehand, the church had gotten its dirty mitts into Scandinavian culture. And had basically said, no, you're not allowed to kill other Christians anymore and you have to become pacifist and write books. So it was less beards and battles in Scandinavia and more boredom and Benedictine monks. And you can't have lots of fun gods who like to have arguments and, you know, like to kill people at feasts and and fart at the dining table. You can't have those gods. 
No, you have to have just the one boring God who mass murders most of the population of the Middle East over the course of the Old Testament. But enough of that. (laughs) The loving God. The loving God of the... uh... (laughs) Yahweh. Yahweh. (laughs) My name's Yahweh. And you know what I'd love you to do, Abraham? I would love you to sacrifice your son to me. (laughs) And if you don't, I'm going to call you a big, wetty fart pump. Oh, and by the way, only one of you is good enough to survive, so we're going to flood the rest of you out <laughs> in a horrible death. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah, it, they kind of did the opposite of uh, of modern film. And all the animals were going to the ark in two by two, led by Anton Deck. Yes, <laughs> because animals can do no wrong, but there's not quite enough incest in the animal kingdom. <laughs> If there's one thing I've proven over the... I can't do a Geordie accent. Um, but no, this was the... I mean, God basically did the opposite of what modern movie reboots do. And uh, and the old original God was quite gritty and dark and has been reborn mm. as, a, as a fluffy, multicoloured ray beam of hope. But no, this was, uh, this was, this was Christian Scandinavia. This was uh, less beards and battles and more boredom and Benedictine monks. Bastard sons of the big boss upstairs. Buggering boys with bishop's blessings. Something <laughs> alliterative beginning with B. <laughs> Buggering boys with, with the bishop's, bishop's blessings. Yes, <laughs> nice. that could also be a good episode title. <laughs> I don't think I'd nowhere near as good as uh, YouTube gets everywhere. Sam, what if you've got if you've got a collection of rocks in your garden and you plant around it? What's it called? And you plant around it? Yeah, it's a rockery, surely. Absolutely. What if you have like a load of bits of wood and roots and things to attract bugs? What's that called? Uh, well, it's a rockery, but with wood, so a walkery. No, it'd be a buggery. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Yes. I get the yes. Oh, yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah. See, but, but it's not called a buggery, is it? It's called a bug hotel. Indeed. Can't think PC why. PC gone mad. <laughs> a PC gone mad is what happens in America. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to be black. And <laughs> As you can tell, our notes were written seven weeks ago. And in possession of life. <laughs> <laughs> So the problem with being all Christian and that, Tom, is that it makes pillaging very difficult unless you happen to mm. uh, not be in a Christian country or be in a country ruled by the wrong kind of Christians. <laughs> Although, obviously, being a Christian, rape is still on the cards. So the Vikings found themselves rather short on, <laughs> on on rape and pillage and silver and gold and had instead found themselves over the course of the last century turning to farming and manufacture. Farming! I know, making flat-pack longhouses and Lego longboats. <laughs> nice. And bacon. This in turn meant that market- and sealed, <laughs> and we are get very good at fae. Yes, <laughs> we produce excellent fae, very creamy, <laughs> delicious yogurt. <laughs> so they were. Turn- I like were- to dip a herring in my field, <laughs> in my fae. Oh, pickled herring flavored fae. Mm. <laughs> Limited edition, Greek style, with <laughs> <laughs> just an olive on top. <laughs> <laughs> Rancid fishy yogurt with an olive on top. <laughs> Make it a calamata, Tom, and I'm in. <laughs> I'm not sure Faye is even Scandinavian. I, no, it's probably made in Scotland. Yes, so the Vikings had turned to farming, and this in turn meant that market towns popped up rather than you know traditional nomadic fishing villages, and, and with them came traders and merchants and eventually a centralised government. And 
As with most of these things, you ended up with the very rich, who owned stuff, and the very poor, who were owned by the rich and got very little back in return, as per the early Viking chronicles of the socialist theorist Karl Marxen. <laughs> yeah, I knew where that was going. I liked <laughs> now, it. This made in his the book, poor... Solidaritas. Where did you go Latin? Oh, I just, you know, if, if, if he's a monk, <laughs> yes. he would give it a sort of certain Latin so name. Solidartan. Solidartum. Solidaritas. Yes. Yeah. So this made the poor people very angry, and some of them decided that they didn't want a rich king to rule over them. They wanted to be free and poor and ruled by some other bloke. So they rebelled under the leadership of that other bloke, who was a former priest named Sver Sigurdsson. And his male heir, Don't Sverson, who was frightfully rude and constantly telling his dad to fuck off. Uh, he didn't exist. Hey. <laughs> I could have told that better, but I'm not going back. I, I did anyway. it well, but I got it. <laughs> The joke is that the Scandinavians, they have a paternal surname. So they take the father's name and just add son to the end of it. So Sver Sigmundsson will become Don't Sver Son. Ha! Oh, um, very good. Very Never. good. Very funny. Anyway, Sver and his peasant band were jokingly called the Birkbiners by the upper classes, which translates as Birch Shoed, on account they were so Wankers. poor. <laughs> they could only afford to wear tree bark for shoes, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> because as history tells us mocking the downtrodden man with a sword gun or guillotine always ends up well if you're posh <laughs> oh, that was good actually I'm going to do that next time we're going to Cambridge there's lots of tramps in Cambridge <laughs> look Wanker! at you with your, with your cardboard shoes <laughs> oi twat over there with your 90s kappa trousers <laughs> Poppers went out of fashion 20 years ago. Twat. Ironically, those probably cost a fortune. No, that's not a homeless person. That's a hipster. (laughs) Why don't you shave? Go to a dentist, you toothless twat. That could just be any British person. (laughs) Any given Cambridge student. Any member of the British aristocracy. Is it 1970 anymore, Sam? That's such an old American stereotype. And yet nothing's changed. (laughs) That's as, that's as old as Dick Van Dyke, that American stereotype of English people, isn't it? Step in teeth. Uh, the Birkbiners took this as a compliment and they adopted the name for Kick themselves. Kick the birds. <laughs> Kick them for six. Carry <laughs> The Birkbiners. Kick them. Kick them. So when you say go on, what you meant is don't. <laughs> So the Birkbiners took this as a compliment and adopted the name themselves to stoke the rebellion among their poor compatriots. And a full-on civil war erupted between Sver and King Magnus Erlingsson, who famously explained the action of the Earth's poles causing the Northern Lights to his eldest male heir, Tom, its Magnus' son. Sver... <laughs> You're really going to town on these <laughs> I've got very little to go on in terms of name jokes. <laughs> so Sver was two things, Tom. He was a tactical genius who relied on uh, guerrilla warfare to defeat much stronger enemies. And he was, secondly, famously tiny. He was so small, in fact, that he had to sit on horseback in all of his battles just so he could see over the heads of his men. <laughs> very good for guerrilla warfare, though, being small. Excellent for guerrilla warfare. Yes, he can hide it under bridges and... Nip out and bite your ankles, yeah. <laughs> like a troll. <laughs> like a troll, yeah. I've been waiting for that years exactly, for a Billy Goat Grub. Exactly what I have in mind. <laughs> Who's that trip trapping on my bridge? <laughs> no, Tom, no, no, he's he's small, so his voice will clearly be Who's that trip trapping on my bridge? <laughs> 
at which he pops out and everyone just goes, oh, look, it's a borrower. <laughs> look, he's... Look, he's got a butter knife. <laughs> he's wielding it like a sword. <laughs> Look, he thinks he's people. <laughs> so this, by the way, is attested to in Sver's Saga, the official King Sver sticker book and annual, which he apparently <laughs> wrote <laughs> the introduction to himself. So he was clearly pretty happy with his reduced stature. Um, anyway, so that's the background. You have the battle between uh, King Magnus and King Sver. Uh, and as Sver the Usurper, sorry. So we come to the silliest medieval naval battle of all time, in which Sver and the Birkbinders faced off against the fleet of King Magnus V. Now, Magnus had the biggest fleet, obviously, being king. 26 large longboats. Ooh. On the other side... What would a small, a small longboat? That would be a, a, a short boat. A short boat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a canoe. <laughs> a barrel. Um. Yeah. So, yes, presumably riding a dolphin to get a decent view. Sphere on the other side had just 14 ships. Wanker. One of these. <laughs> I know. Sphere, 14 ships. Is that all you can afford? <laughs> yeah. One of these, however, was a huge longboat, one of the largest ever built, called the Marius Suda. Unfortunately, it was clearly built by a man who had a lot of ambition, but very little know-how, <laughs> because it was unfeasibly large, making it impossible to steer and useless outside of a sheltered cove. However, not to be outdone in the stupidity stakes, Magnus had a genius idea, Tom, and this is just how far the Vikings had fallen in the century since their heyday. Now, Tom, ships, particularly if you're not very good at using them, have a bad habit of drifting wherever they want to, uh, especially once you get down to the dirty business of boarding each other and stopping rowing to knock heads together. So, to keep everyone together and organised, and to try and counter the enormous size of the Marius Suda, he took his 26 ships and he tied them all together with ropes. Oh, yeah. Into one huge ball of ships. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, made them even more difficult to control or turn or do anything else <laughs> useful to because they couldn't move more than a few metres before pulling their ropes tight against each other. <laughs> Where the fuck he came up with this idea? I have no this clue. This <laughs> sounds like a corporate... Um, team building exercise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that would be done in a... Some manor house in Surrey somewhere. <laughs> on the coast of <laughs> On a team building weekend. Yeah. It's a trust exercise, yeah. And someone has to run across all of these boats <laughs> yeah. without getting wet. Ooh. Oh, it's Keith from HR. Who's, who's gone soaked? <laughs> Look at him. So, uh, seeing, seeing this, Sver had a brainwave. Yeah. And what he did was actually very clever and plays to his guerrilla tactics. He sent the Marius Suda right into the middle of Magnus's fleet. So he sent his great big ship right into the middle to basically distract them, to cause a commotion oh, in the middle of the ship. And I bet it did. <laughs> so, Who would have thought you could get so many innuendos out of ships? <laughs> which innuendo were you trying to pick up oh, on he there? rammed his giant ship into the, into the combined forces of King Magnus. Ooh. I see. Is that a ship in your pocket, or are you just pleased to see me, right? Oh, yes. Can I drop him? Oh, say. Oh, you're struggling to control your longboat, sir. So, yes, Sver sent the Maria Suda right into the middle of Magnus's fleet and up his arse, <laughs> distracting them. <laughs> now, Tom, one against 26 hardly seems fair, but Sver then took the rest of his fleet and picked off Magnus's ships one at a time, making it 26 battles of 13 against one. Now, because Magnus's ships couldn't manoeuvre and were desperately trying not to bash into either each other or the Marius Suda, it was really easy 
for spare ships to bundle on the exhausted stragglers at the rim of the big Borlo longboat. Otherwise known as rimming in naval terminology. <laughs> yes, otherwise known as rimming, yes. <laughs> yes. <Like> salty rim. <laughs> and gave them a damn good licking, Tom. So they would, yes, yeah, so they would find a, a, a ship that had sort of broken away from the pack a little bit, but was still couldn't escape because it was still tied <laughs> in. And they would board them one at a time en masse, attacking the crew. Now, being hugely outnumbered and having forgotten their Viking roots, the crew of the attacked ship would very quickly panic, jump overboard, and swim to the next nearest friendly ship, right. which would then be attacked in turn. Over time, <laughs> this meant two things. <laughs> Firstly, the king's men were surrounded and losing their ships very, very quickly. Secondly, more and more men were piling into less and less ships, which were becoming more and more tangled up, therefore being even harder to control and very, very top-heavy. This sounds like a game from a medieval festival, doesn't it? Yes, it sounds like... Massive pile-up on one ship. Yes, and that medieval festival game, Tom, it was called Takeshi's Castle Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they basically, it was a giant playground game of bundles. Mm. But, but with longboats in a freezing yeah, fjord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and since it wasn't the Viking era, we can now say that they're wearing longhorned helmets. Mm. Eventually, Magnus's ships became so heavy with sopping wet Scandinavians that they began to sink all on their own without Sver having to do anything at all, <laughs> causing the survivors to fall into the sea and cling to the few remaining ships, <laughs> and so on. And with the last ship, Magnus himself went down. The entire navy, some 2,000 sailors, was wiped out with barely a man lost on Sver's side. Ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous, Tom. Absolutely ridiculous. Probably the worst strategic decision in medieval naval warfare. Why would you tie your boats together, for crying out <laughs> I loud? Don't know, I, don't, I don't know what he hoped would happen. Was he trying to trip up the other boats, for crying out loud? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he was worried that they'd try and sail away if they started to lose, or that the best way to overcome one large ship was to tie all of your small ships together to make one very large ship. Very long, wide... Ah, oh, stupid. Stupid man, Tom. Kind of Viking, do you call this? And bearing in, bearing in mind, this guy, you know, the king was, what, 30 years old, 40 years old. You know, within living memory, there were Vikings. Yeah. All <laughs> the old people's the homes. All the old people's homes yeah. were full of them. Absolutely. Oh, the long houses for the long in the tooth were, were packed full, chock full of ancient Vikings spoiling for a fight. Now, Blind as Nonsense, bats. I don't believe any of your stories. You're just a diddly old man. I don't believe any of this. Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah, I that's did. right. You raided Lindisfarne. All right, Grandad, fuck <laughs> yeah. off. So, uh, anyway. So I once fought King Alfred. No, you didn't, you twat. Did you? Oh, I won the battle of Stamford Bridge single-handed. You lost Stamford Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> In my day, we didn't wear these newfangled horned helmets. Stupid things. Unreliably informed by historians. <laughs> I've got a town named after me in North East England. No, you <laughs> oh, don't. Sh shut up, Grandad Jorvik. <laughs> no one believes you. <laughs> Grandad Newcastle upon Tyne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, yeah, Sver went on to win the Civil War and became one of Norway's most celebrated kings before finding himself excommunicated and forced to defend the throne a few years later against a series of aristocratic rebels, Tom, known as the Bagelers. Nice! <laughs> presumably, nice. presumably led by Salmon Cream Cheese Son, or possibly his cousin, Toasted Whole Grain with Seed Son. <laughs> I think these, the, the Bagels, they all had massive holes in their face, didn't they? 
<laughs> well, Tom, they have massive holes in their tactics. Right. Because he won the Civil War again. I'm imagining a big seedy eyes <laughs> and like a bit of pastrami for a tongue. Tiny seedy eyes. <laughs> Can't trust me. <laughs> and a little bit of cream cheese dribble whenever a fair maiden walks past. <laughs> big baguette arms. <laughs> And a lovely pair of buns. Oh. <laughs> I am the bread man. <laughs> Grandad, put some trousers on. Stop showing us your cob. <laughs> no, you didn't, Grandad. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, there we go. Anyway, he uh, he more or less won the, the War of the Bagelers and quelled several of the uprisings to boot, but unfortunately fell in and died shortly afterwards in the year 1202. So there you go, Tom. <laughs> Insert more bagel jokes if you've got them, but I'm, I'm done. I'm spent. I'm toasted. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> There's no need for that. <laughs> oh, that felt good, Tom. It's good to be back. Oh, I, feel, I feel good. What have we got lined up for the next few weeks then? Have we got a massive well, I have a s- lunchbox well, I've full got of a ideas? Suggestion. As you've got- I've got a suggestion for next okay. week because I've found one I want to do. Uh, so I'm going to suggest for next week for our patrons, I'm going to suggest sides. And that could be anything from a side dish to sides in a battle. Uh, it could be a side salad. Fuck it. Who knows? It could be a side of a building, you know, side of a wall. Ooh, yeah, okay. But, with, but sides... I want to suggest for next week if you're cool with that. Sideburns. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's Sideburns, good. yeah. Uh, it's open to interpretation. I like it. Yeah, we'll go for sides. It is. It's a big, wide one. And uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, we can do a couple of the ones that... Uh, uh, now, I can't remember if we've got any others lined up, so I do apologise if we're missing you out. I think we probably are. I think we both... We need to go back through, don't we? It's been such a long yeah. time, but to get one in the bank for the next public episode, let's do one of Nathan's suggestions. Okay. He sent us Chris Hadfield as a butt plug, so... <laughs> you know, he's getting one. I think, do you know what? Let's do believed events that never actually happened. Because you can do things like, you know, ancient travels then from travellers oh, who didn't actually oh, go anywhere. Ah, well, I have recently just bought the travels of Sir John Mandeville, Sam. I have it sitting have on my shelf. And the travels well, of Marco Polo <laughs> on my shelf. Oh, or have you? Or have I? Have you said you've bought them and not actually? Well, I did. But did okay. I? No, I did. Well, <laughs> So for the next uh, for the next public episode, let's do air quotes. That happened. Yeah, yeah, like it. Good, good. Two good. lined up. So sides followed by that happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and in the meantime, if you want to if you want to hear next week our episode all about sides, then be on the right side, Tom. Be on the fucking right side of yeah, history. Yeah, be on the bubbly, sweet smelling, warm, comfortable, clean side. Yes, the, the order, order of, of the, the bath. bath. Oh, that was slick. <laughs> hey, it was, isn't it? patreon.com slash that was genius for just the price of a coffee for a mere a coffee or as I now know 20 nappies every month you can uh, you can get an episode every other week Oh, you also get access to three bloody songs oh. and some doodles oh. oh I haven't done any doodles for a while calling them doodles is uh, is doing a disservice isn't it because they're not doodles they're masterpieces they are masterpieces they're a flashpoint expressive yeah they're a window onto Tom's uh, Tom's psyche his id his ego hmm Really, I mean, we're charging you, the audience, to uh, to act as Tom's therapists. Frankly, with that part of me, <laughs> this this podcast is content. largely therapy. It has it has played that role uh, on many occasions in the last seventy five weeks, however long it has been. Both being therapy 
and causing the need for. <laughs> but it feels good to be back, Tom. I'm pleased. I'm feeling pumped. It's just, it's nice. It feels natural. It's felt wrong being away. Yeah. I love my kid. Well, she's no, she's no history podcast. Is, she's no you. It is. Uh, yeah, that's true, Sam. I mean, and, and to be honest with you, you're the only other human being I speak to on a weekly basis. Um, <laughs> so it, it's been lonely, which has been great. Really, I've <laughs> yeah, thoroughly enjoyed yeah, it for speaking to anyone. <laughs> you weren't being held back from talking to your family, but uh, but I'm glad you kept yourself pure for me. Uh, let's get let's get going. <laughs> We're stringing this out more than it needs to be. So uh, yes, thank you very much, and we will see you again next week. Thank you for your patience in our gap. We've missed you all dearly. We have very much missed you. Goodbye from me, Sam, and goodbye from me, John. Yes, <laughs> Tom. Brilliant. Tom. Just brilliant. <laughs> the highbrow ones are the best. <laughs> Pauline. <laughs> <laughs>